Welcome to the free sermon podcast of the Potter's House Church in Virginia Beach, affiliated with Christian Fellowship Ministries. Our vision is winning souls, making disciples, and planting churches. It's Wayman Wednesday. That means you're about to hear a message from the founder of our fellowship, Pastor Wayman Mitchell. Even though he entered into his reward and is in the presence of our Lord, we still need to hear his clarion call to faithfulness, holiness, discipleship, and commitment to the cause of Christ. If you like what you hear, please support World Evangelism by subscribing to the premium version of this podcast for even more sermons. Links are in the show notes. Enjoy today's sermon. Thank God. What a great scene that we have to be able to serve the living God. Can you say amen? We are so looking forward to see what God's going to do. Uh, We appreciate all of you that have come to the conference, uh, and uh, we're asking God to move like never before and help us. I want to preach from the book of Acts chapter 18. If you have your Bibles there, I am quite frequently uh, ask Pastor Mitchell, can you tell me uh, how to get a breakthrough in my own personal life, my ministry? Uh, my church, and uh, can you tell me, give me some advice, help me so that I can get a breakthrough in my life and in my ministry. Undoubtedly, there are numbers of things that are involved. I want to take a very simple passage of Scripture tonight in the, the life of the Apostle Paul, and I believe that we have some clues there that will help us to understand how to get a breakthrough in our life, in our ministry, uh, in our families, in our churches. Acts 18, beginning verse 12, uh, 7, rather, if you'll follow me there. Acts 18, verse 7. And Paul departed from there and entered the house of a certain man named Justice, one who worshiped God, whose house was next door to the synagogue. Then Crispus, the ruler of the synagogue, believed on the Lord with all his household, and many of the Corinthians, hearing, believed, and were baptized. Now the Lord spoke to Paul in the night by vision, Do not be afraid, but speak, and do not keep silent, for I am with you, and no one will attack you to hurt you, for I have many people in this city. I want to preach to you very simply tonight about breakthrough, And uh, using this text and uh, some experience, I want to just bring to you three simple uh, facets that I believe will help you to get a breakthrough, and especially if you're a pastor of a church. First of all, I want to point out to you how you view people is very, very important to what's going to happen in your ministry. Several years ago, there was a couple out uh, uh, pioneering in a church, and uh, they uh, were frustrated. They were not seeing uh, God bring souls. They were, uh, they were tormented by not seeing uh, any kind of growth in their church. And they came to Prescott to t- talk to me, and I'm sitting in the office, and I'm listening. This is a fine couple, uh, minister's skill. Uh, this man could preach well. Uh, they, uh, they weren't ugly. They were an attractive couple. And, uh, and so I'm listening to them talk, and as I listen to them talk, suddenly 
I got a clue from what they had to say because what was happening to them is after every service, they would go from that service uh, and they would critique uh, the people who were there. Uh, did you see this woman? She did this. Did you, did you see that guy? He did this. And what they were doing were criticizing and uh, they were speaking negatively uh, about the very people they were trying to bless uh, and lead uh, in the paths uh, of life. Words this evening are spirits. One of the lessons you need to learn is that when you speak words, they have a spiritual impact far beyond anything that you uh, understand. And these, uh, this young couple was destroying the very thing that God was trying to do. And it's Proverbs 18:21 that says, Life uh, and death uh, are in the power of the tongue, uh, and they that love it uh, will eat uh, its fruit. It is crucial how you view people. Think with me for a moment, uh, because there. I was looking uh, in another uh, for something else this afternoon. I ran into John Gooding's book that he did uh, on uh, uh, handbook there, and I saw the words uh, that I have written here in this text. Uh, and the words were: the people that you are ministering to, how you view them, either as your field or as your force is going to determine what's going to happen to those people and in your church. Many, many pastors uh, and even people in the congregation, uh, their aim is the people that are attending, uh, they want to straighten these people out. And occasionally people need to be straightened out. You, re you recall the old tale, if I could retell it uh, tonight, about the preacher. He became frustrated with his ministry. Nothing was working. He became frustrated with the people. He decided, I'm going to get into a new occupation. He became an undertaker in a funeral home and began to deal with that. And one of his friends ran into him and he said, I hear you changed occupation. So you're an undertaker now. You're working in a funeral home. And how do you like it? He said, I like it fine. Now when I straighten them out, they stay straightened out. Now the vision that we have to have of our people, and the issue here is vision. Vision is seeing what God can do. We are working in congregations and churches with flawed people. We're working with imperfect people. We're working with people that sin has ruined. These are fallible human beings. And it's very important that we understand that God can do something. And vision is seeing what God can do. You don't see them this evening as they are, but you see them what they can become. Listen to me tonight. How you view people is going to totally change how you minister and the approach that you have. And how you view people is going to be crucial in whether you're going to have success or not have success. You do not see them as they are, but you see them with what they can become if God will begin to have right of way and minister. In 2 Corinthians 4, 7, Paul said, we have this treasure, this wonderful gospel uh, in earthen vessels. Uh, if the churches that we built uh, were built on talent, uh, 
if they were built on people who are outstanding uh, individuals, uh, then anyone could build a congregation. Uh, anyone could gather a group of people together. But because we're building with flawed material, we're building with people who are fallible, uh, we're building with people who have been sin-corrupted, uh, then when we finish, uh, we can see very easily that it's God that is at work. Can you say amen? It's He that is transforming. Uh, and we heard these wonderful wonderful testimonies tonight uh, of what God uh, can do. Uh, and it's crucial that you have the approach. How you view people is going to depend on what's going to happen uh, in your ministry uh, and in your life. Let me retell the old story for those who have not heard it. There's a man who came upon a man driving a herd of sheep. He's shouting at them. He's beating some of them. He's throwing rocks at some of them. And this man saw him, and as he saw him, he said, No, 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 no. You, you don't shepherd sheep like that. You must not shepherd sheep like that. You must, you must lead these sheep. And this man said to him, I'm not a shepherd. I'm a butcher. I'm taking them to the slaughterhouse. You do not drive sheep, you don't beat sheep, you lead sheep, and it will totally change how the results you have if you learn to lead people because we're in a fragile environment and this is working with precious souls that God has redeemed and this is a fragile issue in discipleship and in the religious world the religious world says don't do as I do you do as I say and the perspective that they have because many of them are users they just simply are using people to go on their pathway in a religious environment and the old cliche is very applicable tonight be very careful how you treat people as you're climbing on the ladder of success because some of them you'll have to meet on the way down when you go down very crucial how you view people tonight and there's a clear course that we see here in First Thessalonians chapter five, uh, chapter one rather, five and six. For our gospel did not come to you in word only, but also in power, and in the Holy Spirit, and in much assurance, as you know what kind of men we were among you for your sake, and you became followers of us and of the Lord, having received the word in much affliction with joy of the Holy Spirit. Here we have in the Scripture the pattern of discipleship. Discipleship is not driving, beating a bunch of people, trying to make them do what your dream is. Discipleship is allowing God to use you to begin to minister to people and lead them in the pathway they need to go as you show them a pattern. Luke chapter 6, verse 40. A disciple is not above his teacher. But everyone who is perfectly trained will be like his teacher. This is a fascinating article. I used this in the leadership uh, last week. This is an article in Leadership Magazine, and it was about a pastor who the lead, the story, the, the title of the, of the article was uh, "Love the Ones You're With." This pastor related uh, that uh, he's pastoring and he's dreaming of the congregation that he would like to have. 
He uh, is not happy with the congregation he has. Uh, he's dreaming about this fantastic congregation of people that he wishes that he had, and he's dreaming about having. Uh, and uh, suddenly, an elderly gentleman came into his office without knocking. Uh, this elderly gentleman was a man who called uh, on people who were in the hospital, called on people that were needy. Uh, he did this. He carried in his pocket a three-by-five card, and he'd always tell the pastor about the people that he had visited. He had visited that day an elderly gentleman who was a shut-in. And as he came back to the pastor's office and brought his little card, uh, he started telling him about the visit that day and what they were talking about. They were talking about flying. Uh, they were talking about various things in life. Uh, and uh, they were talking about uh, they're getting older and maybe they're going to have to face assisted living and so on. And uh, the pastor was uh, uh, listening with a half an ear. He was really distracted. He was really interested in uh, what he wanted to do. But he's tolerating this man. And uh, impatiently, uh, the old man went out after he gave him that report. Uh, and uh, suddenly the pastor was gripped uh, by something uh, that was about this man. And he made these words. Uh, he said, I had this overwhelming feeling that Miles, this old man... Uh, got it, and I didn't. He cared about this old man because he spent time with him. I, on the other hand, cared about a mirage, a projection of the kinds of people with whom I wanted to spend my time. Then I began to notice uh, this trait in many of our congregation. They cared for people uh, because they took the time uh, to get to know them uh, what a concept. Now think with me for a moment, because how you view people is going to determine what's going to transpire as God tries to move upon the people that you want to attend that need to be transformed. There's another fact that I want to examine with you, and that has to do with the view of your city. How you view your city is going to determine a lot of what happens uh, in your city. As a per personal question, I want to ask you, both pastor, worker, and congregation, and this question is, how do you view your city? The Bible says that when Jesus looked over Jerusalem, he wept over that city. Listen, Luke 19, verse 41. Now as he drew near, he saw the city and wept over it. Do you care tonight enough about your city to weep over it? Or is this just simply a stopping place uh, on your road of dream to success? Uh, do you care about this city, uh, and do you care enough to weep over it, uh, or do you have another view? I've had uh, uh, men say to me, uh, Pastor, this is a hard city. They're all hard cities. Can you say Amen. They're all hard cities, uh, but as we examine this for a moment, uh, this is all important, and I want to analyze this with you, uh, and uh, let's think about this uh, city. This city is the city of Corinth. Adam Clark makes a comment about this city, and Adam Clark says, in this city, God said to Paul, I have many people in this city. In this city, Adam Clark said, in that very city that was uh, uh, so uh, voluptuous, uh, so rich, uh, so effeminate, uh, and where there had already been 
so decided an opposition shown to the gospel. This passage evidently means that God had a design or purpose to save many of the people, for it was given to Paul as an encouragement to him to labor there, evidently meaning that God would grant him success in his work. So here's a city. This is a city of Corinth. This is a foul city filled with homosexuality, filled with lesbianism, filled with prostitutes that served the nearby temple, temple prostitutes. A thousand of them every day went down into the streets of Corinth, rang their bells, and serviced men who were traveling from here to there in religious rites, sexual uh, 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 sexual contact uh, and sexual acts, uh, and this is the city uh, of Corinth. Now think about that for a moment, uh, because how you view your city uh, is going to be very crucial to what's going to happen. Uh, this place had no future outside of God and God's purposes. I was thinking about, as I was uh, preparing this sermon, about San Luis, Mexico. San Luis, Mexico is a really ugly little town. We take a team in every year of young people, 120, 130 uh, young people and, uh, and their chaperones into San Luis and, and help in a crusade in evangelism uh, in San Luis. San, San Luis uh, is, is really an ugly little city. It's a dirty little city. There's nothing attractive about San Luis, uh, but in San Luis, uh, uh, Mexico today, uh, Jose Torres, who has spent uh, many, many years, I'm not sure, it seems to me 20-something years, uh, he passes a church there, a powerful church planting center, and if my memory serves me correctly, there's been some 30-something churches planted out of that. Uh, it is a powerful uh, center and an engine of evangelism that God has moved in that city. Uh, that's the city uh, that God has moved in. Outside of God, uh, there's no uh, purpose in that. We have pastors all the time. They're looking for a good church. There's an old cliche that comes out of the religious world. We don't have any good churches. We have some good opportunities uh, we don't even have any good cities, but we have some wonderful opportunities. Uh, and how you view your city uh, is going to determine what's going to happen. Uh, and uh, let's uh, look at the Lord's perspective. Let me read it again, verses 9 and 10. Now the Lord spoke to Paul in the night by vision. Do not be afraid, but speak, and do not keep silent. For I'm with you, and no one will attack you to hurt you. For I have many people uh, in this city. Let's analyze that for a moment. Uh, God is waiting for someone to believe him. You're sitting here tonight, I want to say to you, without hesitation, uh, there are cities everywhere that God is waiting for somebody to believe him. They may not be attractive. They, not be, they may not have the climate that you like. Uh, they may be hot. They may be very cold. They may be very cloudy. They may be very rainy. But it does not matter. God's looking for someone who will have a heart for a city, and these cities are waiting for someone to believe God as they're sitting here in this place tonight. When I came to Prescott, Arizona, 
Prescott, Arizona was a little city about a static population, had not changed very much, of 13,500 people. Uh, and uh, as I came to this city, the very first service we had, 29 people, seven of those uh, was my own family. Uh, and when we came here, no one paid our moving expenses to come here. I paid my own way to come here. We were promised $100 a month uh, for three months, uh, and that was it. Nobody moved me here. Nobody gave a guarantee. Uh, we came, uh, and God dealt with our heart. This was his, the will that he wanted us to be here, and God has done a wonderful work. Uh, but a vision, can you say amen, a vision for a city uh, will change how you're going to minister and what God is going to do. The Bible says, without a vision, the people perish. Proverbs 29 and verse 18. One translation says, without a vision, or about a, without a word from God, the people strip off their clothes and run naked in the streets. And this is true spiritually and physically in many places around the world today. I was thinking about this. I think about Nogales, Mexico. Nogales, Mexico is another ugly little town. Can you say amen? You may deny it if you live there, but it doesn't do any good. It's still ugly. When God opened the door in Nogales, Sonora, Mexico, uh, that uh, place we went into was uh, uh, hundreds and thousands of people most of them trying to get across the border, work some kind of scam in America. But God moved, and from that city in Nogales, Sonora, Mexico, God opened Mexico, and there's 200 and something churches in Mexico today because God does work in little cities. Can you say amen? When Mark and Michelle Olsen went into Davao City in the Philippines, that's another city that's not a beautiful city. In that city, when they went in, the police found eight bodies a day, on average, decapitated with no head with them. The head was somewhere else. They had to try to match heads with bodies when they found them. And Mark and Michelle Olsen went into that planted their life in that city, uh, and today uh, there's a church there, runs uh, six, seven, eight hundred people. Uh, they've planted a hundred churches uh, out of that church because God uh, is waiting for someone uh, that will love a city. When we first began to preach there, we uh, uh, stayed at a hotel that you left the little city and went out to the outskirts there, and uh, you passed a large Catholic church, uh, and uh, we passed that often. Uh, when I was there one time, uh, uh, the, uh, the, a policeman was sitting in that Catholic church worshiping, uh, and a man came in from the NPA, sat beside him, put a pistol in his head, and shot him dead in that church. Uh, uh, the NPA, and this is the atmosphere that Mark and Michelle Olson went in, but today God has glorified his name uh, in planting hundreds of churches. Now let's think for a moment, uh, because uh, here we are in this place tonight. Uh, how you view your city uh, is going to determine largely what God is going to do. But there's one more point I want to make with you and our view of God. 
See, we're not just in an Amway sales club tonight. Can you say amen? We're not just here in a pep rally, rah-rah for Jesus. We're here tonight to believe God. God is God. He rules in the heavens above. He rules in the earth beneath. And what view we have of God is going to change how we're going to approach ministry tonight. And I want to think with you about your view of God. When we were in Israel in November, we, uh, one of the places that we stopped is Gideon's Spring. Gideon's Spring, you know, it's uh, the storage found in Judges uh, uh, 7, I think it is. Uh, and uh, as we were there at Gideon's Spring, we'd ask uh, uh, Pastor Nigel Brown from Walthamstow, England, to bring a word about the tremendous uh, event that happened there. This is the place... Uh, where the Midianites rose up uh, and uh, God began to raise up Gideon to break the bondage and the oppression. Uh, and uh, as he gathered the people together, there are thousands that came together. They're going to be soldiers. These men came together. Uh, and God said to, to Gideon, you've got too many. I can't get glory out of all this bunch. And so he let all those who were afraid go home, let all those who were newly married, all those who had uh, involvements, and there's still 10,000. And he said, that's still too many. And uh, get them to drink water out of the spring. And as he did that, uh, 300 who drank water a certain way were selected out. And Pastor Brown gave us a short but powerful dissertation uh, as we're there. And as he gave that dissertation, uh, he let us uh, understand uh, a powerful thought. God does not need a lot of people. Are you still with me? See, we're in the mega church generation. Big is better. If you're going to make any kind of impact at all, it's got to be mega. It's got to be big. It's got to be bombastic. It's got to be charismatic. It's got to be wealthy. It's got to have the dazzle. It's got to have the glitter. But you see, the lesson in that little spring was uh, God doesn't need a lot of people. Are you still with me? You see, the Bible says it's a small thing with God to help with many or with few. Do you believe that tonight? So here we have the issue that hits us in the face tonight. God is looking for a man whose wife will follow him into the bold adventure of world evangelism to take victories for God. A potent perspective that we have. Here's Paul. Think with me for a moment. Paul is here in Corinth, and uh, this is uh, not always a safe place to be. But Paul is looking beyond himself uh, to God. And the Bible says uh, these tremendous words uh, that as Paul responded to that, uh, he evangelized uh, the people. Uh, and here's the key. Uh, when you want to see God do something, you go where the people are. Can you say amen? I know of no churches growing that are not outside their four walls evangelizing. So here we have, God said to Paul, Paul, I have many people in this city. The apostle Paul went to where the people were, began to evangelize, and the key is to find an arena or 
make one. Listen to this. Uh, I've used this in time past. I want to use it again. It was a noble Roman in Rome's imperial day who heard a coward croaker before the castle say, they're safe in their fortress. There's no way to shake it. On, on, exclaimed the hero. I'll find a way or make it. Listen to this. Is fame your aspiration? Her path is steep and high. In vain he seeks her temple, content to gaze inside. The shining throne is waiting, but he alone can take it, who says uh, with Roman firmness, I'll find a way or make it. Is learning your ambition? There is no royal road. Alike the peering peasant must climb to her abode. Who feels the thirst of knowledge in Helican may slake it. If he has still the Roman will, I'll find a way or make it. Are riches worth the getting? They must be bravely sought. With wishing and fretting, the boon cannot be bought. To all the prizes open, but only he can take it who says with Roman courage, I'll find a way or make it. Now think about this for a moment, because here we have the challenge before us tonight. We're always looking for the secret key. Can you say amen? Pastor, what's the key? Can you give me the key? Well, the key is very simple, and the key is that we have to have God. Can you say amen? Most of the religious world functions outside and independently of God. They function on their own genius. They function on their own intellect. They function on their own passion. But I want to tell you, God has some specialties. Can you say amen? Think with me about the book that I hold in my hand I'm preaching for tonight. One of God's specialties tonight is that he can find a people that will obey him. In the book of, the, of Acts chapter 5 and verse 20, the Bible says... Go stand in the temple and speak to the people all the words of this life. Now, the reason God told him that, this is where the people were. Think with me for a moment, because God is a specialist in things that are thought impossible. There's a number of places in the Bible where there is a barren womb. Think about Zechariah. Zechariah is going about his religious duties as he has done for years. He and his wife Elizabeth have been married for 35 years. There's a barren womb she does not bear, but God began to move. And in one touch of the hand of God, out of that touch came John the Baptist that shook the entire nation of Israel with his preaching. That came out of a barren womb. Tonight as you're sitting in your church, as you're sitting in your city, maybe you're saying tonight, Pastor, uh, there's nothing happening. God can make something happen. Can you say amen? God has power. God has ability. God's looking for somebody that would believe him and begin to lay a hold of him. We approach this like, oh God, he doesn't want to do anything. What am I going to do? God's not going to do anything. God's looking for you to believe. He can use a jackass. Can you say amen? 
How much more can he use someone that believes? I was thinking as I was driving here tonight uh, about people that I know. These people have no talent. Uh, these people, some of them are even obnoxious. <laughs> and yet they believe God. And God is moving in their behalf. He's not looking for some uh, high-powered individual that has talent dripping off their hands uh, and steps up and everybody says, Ooh, wow, look at it. He's looking for somebody, maybe you're ugly, untalented. God's looking for somebody who will believe, and out of a barren womb, God raised up a prophet uh, that shook that nation. Can you say amen? That's what God's looking for. We see Hannah in 1 Samuel, a woman who had no children, a woman who could not bear to live, a woman who was not satisfied simply to be treated well within the family. Her heart cried out for God. Does your heart cry out for souls? Her heart cried out, God, uh, give me children or I die. Here then is the key. And God breathed upon that barren womb. And out of that barren womb came the prophet Samuel, uh, who was the premier prophet uh, in the nation of Israel, because God uh, has power to move. Uh, Let's look to Ezekiel's vision as I close. Uh, And in Ezekiel's vision, he sees the dry bones. This valley is filled with dry bones. The Bible says, and goes out of its way to say, exceedingly dry. But God said to Ezekiel, you speak to these bones. You prophesy to these bones. And as Ezekiel obeyed, bone came upon bone, sinew upon sinew. And God demonstrated to Ezekiel and to you and I sitting in this building tonight, God can move for someone that will believe him. Can you say amen tonight? This is what God's looking for. He's not looking for high-powered personality. He's looking for someone that will take him at his word and say, God, we will obey. We're going to take your challenge. I want every head bowed. I want every eye closed. Our calling tonight is to get a word. Thanks again for listening to the free version of the VBPH Sermon Podcast, where we post sermons on Mondays, Wednesdays, Fridays, and Sundays. We also have a premium version of this podcast, which posts sermons and interviews every single day of the week. So why would you want to subscribe? I'm glad you asked. I have five reasons for you. Number one, on the premium version, we post full versions of Testimony Tuesday, Pastor Campbell Thursday, and Study Day Saturday. If you'd like to hear those episodes, then subscribe now. Reason number two, uninterrupted listening. We remove all ads and all extraneous content from our premium feed. Reason number three, premium episodes always release six hours earlier than the free version. If you're an early bird, It's a great reason to subscribe. Number four, our subscribers will gain access to our sermon chat group on WhatsApp, where we interact directly with listeners around the globe. If you'd like to chat with other premium subscribers, subscribe today. And finally, every dollar we raise goes to world evangelism. This is the best reason to subscribe because you are helping us launch churches all around the world. 
We don't put one dime in our pockets. Everything that we raise from this podcast will go directly to Thursday night of Chandler Conference. So please subscribe today by using the links in the show notes below. Thanks. Thank you so much for listening to the sermon podcast of the Virginia Beach Potter's House Church. Were you blessed by today's message? Let us know. Please leave us a rating on Apple Podcast or on Podchaser. We'll be back next time with another life-changing word from heaven. God bless.